this morning, I wanted to uh, bring a rallying message to really help to prepare us uh, for Vision Sunday. Um, but I want to speak to this where next Sunday is going to be a little bit more flavored around a corporate message as a church and as a team um, and as a spiritual family. Today, I want to focus more on this uh, uh, encouraging you individually in terms of, again, the year ahead and uh, the season before us. And I've called this message, Reach Your Peak. And uh, I wanted to start this morning by letting you know that this message, in a way, is linking to the message that I did two weeks ago. The message that I did on two weeks ago was called The Gateway to Greatness. And it was all about wisdom and being hungry to apply wisdom into your life. And so I felt I wanted to build on that today um, by talking about a couple of key attitudes that's critical for us when we're going into a season and we're wanting to reach our potential and mine all of the potential out of a given time slot or a season that God has for us. There are three particular attitudes we have to apply, I think, to reach the peak or to reach the potential of that timing or that season that God has. So that's going to be the flavor of the message. Who's ready? Awesome. All right. I wanted to start this morning with uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 2 to 4. So if we can bring that scripture up to start with, chapter 2, verses 2 to 4. And it starts here by talking about this mountain of God's house. And I think it says here the mountain of the Lord's house up here, but I've got a slightly different version. So obviously we're going with the theme of reach your peak you saw the picture of the, the, the climber climbing the mountain before. And so I want to start with this analogy of the mountain of God or God's house. So in verse 2, it says, There's a day coming. So right there, it's a little bit of a prophetic edge. There's a day coming. Get ready. Like an epic movie. Get ready for this movie. It's going to be epic. There's a day coming. When the mountain of God's house. Now, when you think about a mountain, you think about something strong, solid, unmovable, unshakable. So even by the fact that it's, it's connecting the analogy of a mountain to God's house, says uh, that the heartbeat of God is to continue to move the house of God, to move the church towards a more solid, a more sustainable, a more sturdy uh, sense of, of identity. There's a coming day when the mountain of God's house will be the mountain, will be the mountain. Solid, towering over all mountains, all nations will river toward it, people from all over set out for it. Now, that's a pretty epic uh, scripture. Verse 3, they'll say, come, let's climb God's mountain. Go to the house of the God of Jacob. He'll show us the way he works so we can live the way we are made. I love this last bit here. This is where I really want to anchor the whole message on, on this particular part of the scripture. He'll show us the way he works so we can live the way we're made. We can live to our potential. We can live the way we're designed to live in reaching the fullness of the glory of God that he has over our life. So we're going to learn how God works so we can live to the potential. Now, there's a different scripture there. I think, um, uh, I think we've got that to uh, two to four, another version of that. Jess, are we going to do the message version? I thought we are going to do it. It's not in there. 
just give us a thumbs up there. We're not up there. Okay, that's cool. All right. So I'm, I'm reading the message version, slightly different. But the key thing I want to talk about here is, is he'll show us the way he works so we can live the way we're made. And I love that because that, that talks about wisdom. And today I want to talk about what, what do we need to do? What are some principles we can apply so that we reach our potential? And then it goes on and says, Zion's the source of the revelation. God's message comes from Jerusalem. And the city of Jerusalem is a holy city. We know Pastor Thomas and Sandy, you guys just came from Jerusalem, right? You went to Israel and it was pretty epic and cool. Poor Pastor Sandy, pray for her. She's still got jet lag. Uh, she's excited on the inside, but just not quite on the outside yet. <laughs> I, could, I could feel the spirit in you, Sandy. Um, but Jerusalem is a holy city. Now, the word holy means whole, as in wholeness. So it's not broken. And so when it says here, God's message comes from wholeness. God's message comes from Jerusalem. It comes from wholeness, meaning that God's message and the mountain of, of, of God's house is about bringing wholeness, bringing a word, bringing a revelation, bringing principles, bringing insights to help you to go into a journey of wholeness and to get away from brokenness. And this is this whole theme that I want to dive into today. Um, to further introduce it, thank you guys. Um, who here believes that they have a divine destiny? What does divine mean? Because um, sometimes when you think about, you know, you're, you're up to your eyeballs in life with bills and you've got things to do and you've got situations in everyday life doesn't always feel divine, does it? And so sometimes it's hard to really believe all the time that your destiny is divine. But divine means that God, it's God-inspired. There's a God heartbeat and handprint on it. And I know sometimes when we use the word destiny, again, it's got this epic feel to it. And sometimes the word destiny, it is related to the word destination. But I think what's so critical about destiny is destiny actually isn't mainly to do with the destination. Destiny is about actually how you walk out and how you journey towards the destinations that God has for you. Because who knows that there's checkpoints at, end, at the end of every season. So it's not just the one-off checkpoint that's just at the end. I think sometimes when we appropriate it, we know that destiny is more about the, the journey and it's about the destinations that God's taking us to from checkpoint to checkpoint to checkpoint, like chapters in a book. But it is hard sometimes, and, and I think sometimes we're tempted to go, oh, yeah, divine destiny, and yeah, but look at these bills, and look at these problems, and look at these situations. I want to challenge and encourage you this morning to keep fighting and keep avoiding the temptation to think that way. You've got to keep believing and reminding yourself that even though all of this seems a little bit mundane, seems a little bit boring, the day-to-day -day life, there is a divine destiny, there is a journey, there are keys as you're walking out that God wants you to become awakened to. Who believes that? And so um, the other thing that I wanted to anchor this message on is, okay, we're going to look at some three attitudes in a minute to reach your potential, to know that there's this, there's this mountain and, and God's house and his principles and he's wanting us to, to, to reach our full potential and we have to overcome the temptation of thinking, well, yeah, destiny, but you know, at the end of the day, life is pretty mundane and I don't really think I'm destined for much. We're going to come against that. But I think the other thing to anchor this message that I wanted to start with was I was praying over the last, say, 10 days and this thing just kept coming. And God was saying, encourage the people to get their headspace away from these two words, fix it. I heard God say, get people's eyes off, fix it. And get their eyes on these other two words, sow it. 
And I hear God saying that it's important as we look at this message today, as we hear the scriptures, that God wants us to stop thinking about, oh, we just want God to fix it. And we actually need to partner with God and we need to find out what is the principle, what's the strategy that we have to sow into. And I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about actually looking at your time, looking at your habits, looking at your thought life, looking at all the principles of God. And are you sowing into situations? Come on now. Are you sowing into your marriage? Are you sowing into situations that you want to see change? Or are you just having the mindset, I just wish this would fix, be fixed. I just need to fix it. I need the quick fix. And I hear God saying that as we shift away from just wanting a quick fix or having it fixed, and we actually take responsibility and say, you know, it's my responsibility to find out what strategy or what action or what thought or what deed or what principle do I have to take and to sow that in to that situation, that then God will honor his word, his word will not return void, and that will be the key to bringing the fixing because I'm taking responsibility. I have the ability to respond. I'm taking the word. I'm taking my faith and I'm activating it. I'm sowing into that situation to see the breakthrough. Not just hoping purely that God will fix it. And so when we look at this, I want to talk about these three attitudes to reach your peak or to reach your potential and to mine the potential out of this season. What's necessary? And so we're going to look at a scripture now that's going to help us to identify these three attitudes. We're going to go to Exodus, great book of the Bible, great theme, uh, talking about the people of God leaving slavery and going into freedom. Exodus chapter 12. And um, I think for some reason, Jess, I had 1 to 11, but I just want verse 11, okay? Because these guys can study their Bible in their own time. We're just going to go straight to verse 11. Is that cool? Is that okay, church? All right, cool. All right, let's go over here. Go on a journey. We'll go over here. Exodus chapter 12, verse 11. All right. We're going to do something a little bit interactive. I'm not going to weed anyone out. But Matt, I'm going to get you to read that, brother, from where you're sitting. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Doesn't he have a good radio voice? Give him a round of applause. Awesome, Matt. I believe there's going to be a mic in your hand, Matt, and you're going to read and talk about many scriptures in the future. Amen. Yeah, go, Matt. All right, cool. Oh, I love the encouragement in this place. You guys rock. Okay, now, let's appropriate this. What is this scripture all about, and how does it make any sense, this message? So, this is a particular instruction to the people of God, the Israelites, and it's important because it's about God giving, giving them an instruction about what to do specifically with the Passover. It was, the, it was kind of like the first Passover that God was introducing. And it was before Moses led the people out. They were still in slavery. Everyone say slavery. They were still in slavery. They were still in that, oh, God, fix it. Fix it, please. Right? The Pharaoh. Rah! And, uh, and so God said, this is what my strategy is. He released it, that we're, we're going we're gonna to celebrate with a big feast and every family has to take a lamb and slaughter the lamb and you have to eat the lamb. And it was really detailed. You have to eat every part of the lamb by sun and by sundown. And if, if you don't, you have to burn the rest. I mean, it was really detailed. That's all the other scriptures that we're not going to go into in detail today, right? But then it came to this particular scripture. Now, what's important is when they actually followed these instructions, then what was interesting is that the key 
was that they had this celebration, but they had to take the blood of the lambs and they had to cover their house with a marking because that evening the Spirit of the Lord uh, hovered over the land and actually killed the first uh, male born of every uh, household that was not of God's people. And that was to send a strong message to Pharaoh that I'm God and you're not. And if you keep disobeying my command to let my people go, then I'm going to wreak havoc on your land. And it was, it was kind of like the exclamation mark to get Pharaoh's attention, to say, bow down to my power and listen to me, for you will let my people go. Who's ever watched The Ten Commandments? Isn't that a great movie? Oh, I love movies. Epic faith movies. Woo! And so this is a, a great story. And so they marked the doors with the blood of the lamb and the spirit of the Lord hovered over the land and all of their families were protected. Everyone say protected. It was a covering of protection. It was a mark of favor. And obviously in the New Testament, that's translated into the blood of lamb being the blood of Jesus Christ, being the mark, the greatest and eternal mark of protection and favor and grace upon us forevermore that we will not be uh, affected by uh, sin or death. We have eternal life because of the blood of the lamb. Let's give God some praise for that. But this scripture is so critical. Because after it, Pharaoh goes, ah, let them go then. Okay, so there was breakthrough. The people went from bondage into freedom from these principles. But God had to set them up and he wanted them to look at these things. And he wanted them to apply them. And so when we look at this verse, this is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt. Number one. Tucked in. Number two, your sandals on your feet. And number three, your staff in your hand. And then eat it in haste. Now the word haste means excessive speed or urgency of movement or action. As in, get going, hurry up. Right? Life is too short. Right? The eternal time that you're in is short. Get going, make it a priority. Like, it's important. Do it in haste. So what we're going to look at in a minute is we're going to unlock these three principles and appropriate it practically to your life in 2018 today. But all of these three attitudes we're going to look at all have the exclamation mark behind them. Do it with haste, as in get going, do it, apply it. Don't just go, oh, this is a nice, cute word. Isn't that lovely? Now it's time for fish and chips. No, come on, really get into it and go, let's, let's have some haste, hastiness about us. Let's have a sense of urgency because God wants to springboard us into everything that he has for us in this season. Who believes that? Come on now. And God's saying to us as we set this up, before I go into attitude one, you are moving from a place of slavery and bondage to a place of freedom and destiny. And there are some places where you've got freedom and destiny all over your life. And there are some places, little pockets maybe, where it represents more slavery or bondage. And so be encouraged, because I believe that God wants you and I to come to be ready to reach our peak this season. We must be prepared, and we must be ready. So, number one, everyone say attitude one, to reach your peak, is focus. The Israelites first had to have their cloaks tucked into their belts. You must have your cloak tucked into your belt. What are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about focus. This means that you must be ready to move without getting caught and held up 
by a little tree or a little thorn or something in the pathway that may grab your cloak and distract you, hold you back. This symbolizes tucking this, uh, this cloak in. It symbolizes focus that Christians must have in this season, that you don't let anything take you off your course. Come on now. The Hebrew author tells us in Hebrews 12.1, Since then we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We must be ready to run, church. Come on, to reach our peak, we've got to make sure we, we get rid of all the loose ends, any of the cobwebs, any of the things that could just trip us up. Come on, we're wearing a mantle of life that says you're destined for potential. God saying, hey, there's a checkpoint at the end of 2018, and I want you to get to the end of that checkpoint and have mined as most as you could out of that season. And so as we keep running into the beginning of it, I want you to just look around you, look around your life and think, hey, what are, what are some things? What is it that I need to tuck in a little bit? Where do I need to tidy up my life a little bit to kind of get some disorder into order so I don't trip up over it later in this season? That will stop me from reaching my peak. We must be ready to run. Have you ever tried to run with a bathrobe on? You know, sometimes when you go to hotels and you know, it's very civilized, you go, ooh, this must be a posh hotel. I've got a bathrobe. I mean, <laughs> these days, very rarely people wear bathrobes. But every now and then, you know, I've gone, oh, we'll try this. It's not really my thing. Kind of suits Sarah more, but not really my thing. <laughs> Have you ever tried to run and you've got, you got the... <laughs> I mean, imagine if you had one on and you didn't tie it up properly. It was all a bit loose. Doorbell rings, room service. Ah! That's a bit of a surprise. Not the surprise that we want, right? <laughs> but you know, your life gets exposed inappropriately when <laughs> you don't have your cloak tucked in. Amen? Loose ends. Come on. What's your loose ends? That's a rhetorical question. You don't have to confess it before the Lord and all of us right now. We're not that solid church. Amen? But you hear what I'm saying? Don't go running in with goals, dreams, 2018. And you're not actually going, well, hang on a second. Let's just tuck some of these things in. Let's tidy up here. If you're just getting out of the shower and you run to get the door with that first trying up that robe around your waist, you know that somebody is going to be shocked and surprised by what happens. <laughs> if you want to be sure to reach your peak this season, make sure you are free from the little things that try to tie you up. And we all privately know what they are. Different for everyone. Ephesians 6.14 says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And so to tidy it up, to, to tuck things in, use the belt of truth to really tighten everything up. Get the word of God in your headspace to just tighten everything up so that you don't have any loose ends even in your thinking. Any doubts, fears things that you sometimes are drawn to that you shouldn't be, use the belt of truth as the way to tidy it up. Get yourself set, ready to run. What are you focused on? What captures your attention? Are you looking for God in your daily life, in your thought life, or are you looking for other things to distract you? Psalm 119, 105 says, His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. If you want to know where you're going and how to get there, go to the Word. Get the Word to tighten everything up. Psalm 119.9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your Word? So how can a young man keep his way pure? Answer, 
by living according to your word, getting the word of God to tighten things up. I had a moment of envy in my life a couple of seasons ago. There was something going on in someone's world. I'm like, oh, I wish that was going on in my world. But it kind of started to play a little bit in my mind. And it's like, God, I think I'm, I've got a moment of jealousy. Like, this is not healthy. I don't like this. What's, what's going on? And I said, God, I really just need you. I need something, God, on my word, in your word, just to fill my headspace and help to tighten up this messy thought life that's going on right now because it's unraveling and I just don't like the taste of it. I don't like feeling jealous or envious about this particular situation, this person's life. I don't like it, God. Help me. I said, God, give me clarity. And he said, Ted Commandments. And I'm like, what? He said, Ten Commandments. And I'm like, well, I don't want to murder anyone. Thou shalt not kill. It was talking about covetousness, looking at something that someone has. Do not covet. I think there's a specific example in the Ten Commandments. But do not covet the possessions or the property or the, the thing that your neighbor has. Do you know why that law is given? Why that principle is given? Because it sets us free. Saying, don't do that. And so I just was like, oh, do not covet. So that was the reason why not to do it. And then I said, God, I just want a little bit more. That's great. I'm kind of 90% there, but there's still just a little bit of 10% lingering. And I just need a, something else in your word just to come and lock it in this way so I can just stay focused. Just to tighten this up. And he said, count your blessings. Get your focus off what you don't have and get your focus on what I've already given you. So you can have all the money in the world and you can still be envious of other people. Your career can be skyrocket. No one is void of this type of little things that can trip us up. See, sometimes we think sin is just gross sin, but sin can be just a little moment of pride, a little moment of jealousy that starts to snowball and it makes us feel icky and yucky on the inside and then it demotivates us. It feels like we're not worthy to run after the thing that God has for us because we're too busy focusing on the things that other people are doing. Can I encourage you? Tighten up with the word of God so you can focus. Colossians 3, 1, 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And so why is it so important to have focus, this first attitude? To tighten up the robe, to tuck things in. Why is it so important to have focus? Because this person called the devil, the very real thing, is crafty. Everyone say crafty. And so the first sign of an unfocused Christian will usually lead to sin. So the bottle that we fight, this thing that trips us up, it always starts the mind. Did you know that? Sin begins in the mind. And so we need to focus on the word. We need the truth, which is God's word, the belt that keeps us focused to tighten things up. Let's just take a moment. Let's just close our eyes. Just to lock this in. Father, I pray right now that you would illuminate everyone's heart. One thing that needs to be tucked in and dealt with 
and tightened by the truth of the belt of the Word of God. Lord, highlight that right now. And Lord, you're highlighting it not to shame people, but you're highlighting it because you love them and you want them to tidy it up so it doesn't trip them up this year and prevent them from reaching their peak. Thank you, God. Now, God, encourage people that when they partner with you to ask something of your scripture or your word to help to, to deal with that, Lord, that you would illuminate that in their life. Father, just activate that right now in people's hearts. So, Lord, this would be something that people would run with after they leave this building today. Amen. Everyone said? Awesome. Attitude one is focus. Attitude two, one of my favorite attitudes, but not always the the easiest one to, to keep running with, and that is determination. So secondly, the people were to eat the Passover with sandals on their feet. Everyone say sandals on their feet. One thing must be considered when you look at uh, the example of sandals or shoes. Obviously, shoes are used to run. They help to, to guard your feet. We understand that. But we're going to look at a, a key principle here and unlock it around why this is so critical. So in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 5, it reads this. During the 40 years that I led you through the desert, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. And so there's very, something very significant here because in the culture of the period of the time, if people were going on a long journey, if they were going on a long journey, they actually used particular times to take their shoes off and to carry their shoes. Why? Because they wanted to help make sure that their shoes didn't wear out too quickly. You probably think, well, why did they take your shoes off? Weren't the feet going to wear out? Well, they did it in, in little kind of strategic segments, Right? But they knew there was something about their sandals and they had to really protect their sandals and they had to have their sandals make it all the way through. And so the sandals represents longevity, determination, perseverance. And it was particularly in areas of the desert. When they were in the journey and they were going through parts of the desert, that is particularly the tradition where they would take their sandals off. They'd walk through the sand to uh, reduce the amount of uh, erosion of their sandals. And so they were determined to finish because if their sandals didn't last the distance, they weren't going to make it to the end. And so it represents a pre-planned attitude that I'm going to get to the end. I am determined to get there. And so God's saying, where is your level of determination at? Your determination to finish. And I want to, I want to talk about this. Because too many times the Israelites in the Old Testament, they didn't look determined at all. Uh, they undermined Moses. They wanted to give up. They didn't like the bread. They didn't like the water. They didn't like the quail. <laughs> they didn't like that Moses was the, was the leader at times. They didn't like the desert sand. They didn't like God at times. Right? And so when you're determined, you're not double-minded. You're not wishy-washy. You're not fickle. Oh, I like this church. No, I don't really like this church. Oh, I like this church. No, I don't really like this church. Oh, I like this. No, I don't really like this church. Oh, I like my pastor. No, I don't really like my pastor. Oh, I like my pastor. No, I don't really like my pastor. Oh, I like my job. I don't really like my job. Oh, I love my job. I don't really like my job. Or, wow, isn't this amazing? I can't believe this. Fickle. Fickle, 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 fickle. La, 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 la. 
determined, consistent, relates to being focused, but they want to get to the end. And so who knows that, not you, but a lot of people around you in life are ready to give up too quickly. Ever notice that? Uh, I think I posted something recently or sometime about uh, on social media. I was talking about how, you know, when, when, you, when you look at things, like you start a university course, you know, the most popular time to drop out of a university course is after the first semester. Do you want to know why that is? Because in the first semester, you usually have to do all the core subjects, which actually aren't the exciting ones. And so after six months, we'll go, oh, I didn't really think it was going to be like this. I thought it would be a little bit more exciting. So I don't really think this is for me because it's not always just fun. So, and I might have to like be persistent and determined and go all the way and do things that I don't like doing. So I think I'm just going to have to change my course. My course. Does that sound like anyone? Mmm. Who here, who here is studying right now? Okay, all right. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You're talking to us in all facets of life. I love you. <laughs> but one thing that can come and rob our joy quicker than anything, and that can start to create massive, deep self-doubt, is when we create a habit of giving up. Because you start teaching yourself that you don't have the ability to be determined. And you, you no longer really start believing that you can get to the end of anything. So all the energy in the dynamos at the beginning, I'm starting this thing. It's really exciting. Can't wait. And four months later, so how's it going? Um, yeah, no, I've decided it's not quite for me. So now what I'm doing is I'm doing this. Oh, that's great. So you're excited? Yeah, can't wait. Great. Four months later. So how's it going? Yeah, no, it was good. It was. No, seriously, it was good. But um, there was someone in the class I didn't really get along with. So I just thought, mm, just didn't feel right. You know? Didn't feel right. Pastor Jason on the inside just going, yes, preach it, brother. <laughs> he knows what I'm talking You love this, don't you? Ooh. But the amazing thing is, is that God never gives up. So when we look to him, we can start to model our life and say, God, help me with this. We can throw in the towel and he'll keep on fighting. We can cough up the ball and God will keep on defending. We can slip up and God will keep picking us up. And so if you're at that place where you're like, Pastor Brad, I really have difficulty with this. I'm not very determined. I kind of give up on stuff and I'm a bit fickle. Well, my encouragement to you is, well, you worship a God who's the opposite of those things. The more you spend time with him and understand who he is and ask him to create more of him inside of you, you will have breakthrough. It's an identity thing. But God's saying we have to have a, a, an attitude of determination. God will never give up on you. We know that the whole scripture around you know, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always trusts, always hopes, always, always 
always perseveres. Love never fails. And God is love. So God is patient. God is kind. God always perseveres. Now, obviously, we don't have the capacity to be God, but we are able to be more and become more and more like God. That's what Christ-like being Christian is, becoming Christ-like that one of the greatest assignments that Jesus has in wanting to relate with you is he wants to turn you more into like him. And so if you lack determination, have faith and hope that if you seek God and say, God, I need your determination to grow inside of me. I need your death-defying, curse-conquering, undefeatable spirit to take its place in me. Can I tell you that sometimes if we marry these two principles together, determination and focus, there's been moments in my life where I've tried to set myself to a particular task and I'm on fire, I'm focused, I'm determined, and then I get a setback. And there's this little thought in my mind that goes, oh, here we go again, the setback. And in that moment, guess what I want to do? I do want to give up, but usually giving up represents, I want to go and watch TV, I want to go on Facebook, I want to read the latest Federer article. I want to go and have Vegemite on toast with a cup of tea in the kitchen. Or if I'm really naughty, some peanut butter and honey. Right? I want to escape the moment of disappointment. And that's what disappointment is. I've been dissed off my appointment. Dislocated off my appointment. That's why I'm disappointed. Right? I've been taken off track. Because a little log or something came its way. So when we are focused and we're determined, but yet we still hit a setback, God says, allow the determination that you predetermined you will have as you go into this season, enable you to stay focused by asking God to give you something to say to yourself in your mind when you're disappointed. So I have two words that God has given me in 2018 to say to myself every single moment I face some type of disappointment in my daily walk. And he's given me two words personally, so you can use these if you want to, but my encouragement is ask God what he has for you. And the two words for me in 2018 is wise up. Wise up. Not what's up. Wise up. Don't let this little thing stop you in your momentum. Why is that? Wisdom. Do you want to be foolish or do you want to be wise? Basically, what God is letting, encouraging me to say to myself, do you want to be a fool and just go and allow this disappointment to go off and escape? No. Wise up. Stick to it. Focus. Stay determined. Stay on track. Keep going. And so I'm playing this little game with myself right now. Whereas on the laptop and something doesn't quite happen with a project that I'm working on, and I'm like, disappointed. Peanut butter and honey. Wise up. Now it's like, okay, I've got to go straight back into that and break through, right? And I'm, it's, it's working. There's still moments where it doesn't. I'm like, oh, okay, I lost there. I lost there, right? I've got to pick it up here, pick it up here. But can I encourage you? Build mechanisms in your life like that because life is not easy. Who's ever found that, right? But what you're doing is you are building the mind of Christ in you. This is what Jesus did when Jesus was crying out to the Father and he was speaking the word of God through his, through his headspace. When he was facing all of these temptations, he spoke the word of God out 
He used this as a way to discipline himself. Hebrews 12.2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. God wants us to be determined to finish. We know the Apostle Paul put it this way, in all my prayers in Philippians, he says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Determination. Be determined. In Jesus' name. Come on, let that get into your heart. Be determined. In Jesus' name. Turn to the person next to you and say, number three has just arrived. Number three is the attitude of you are a promise carrier. You're a promise carrier. See, when you're walking day to day, week to week, month to month, You're not just walking, doing stuff. You're carrying a promise of God on the inside of you. Faith says, or faith is evidence of things not yet seen. You're carrying an unborn vision. You're carrying an unborn goal. You're carrying an unborn assignment on the inside of you. You can't see it. It hasn't fully manifested, but you're carrying a promise. You're carrying something. So when you know that you're carrying a promise, you're carrying a vision, you're carrying something supernatural that you can't yet physically see, but it's living on the inside of you, and you're carrying it, and you're an ambassador of it, and you're carrying it, and God's all into it, and He loves it, and He can't wait to see it break through in your life, it's precious, and it helps you to stay focused and to stay determined. You're carrying something. The children of Israel were to have their staff in their hand when they were supposed to eat this Passover. So they had to have their belt and everything tucked in. They had to have sandals on their feet. And they had to have a staff in their hand. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to eat with both hands. Do you? And if it's a KFC chicken drumstick, that's okay. (laughs) Right? But they had to have a staff in their hand. Does anyone here think that's an unusual request? It's interesting, isn't it? It's very specific. And the staff, I'm going to ask the music team to come. The staff is representative in the Old Testament in terms of being a shepherd or a pilgrim with a promise. They were people who were nomadic, meaning they never settled. They never got comfortable in one place and then just stayed there. They always were moving on to the next thing the better thing, the greater thing. Come on now. They didn't just get to a certain checkpoint in life and then settle. They were carrying a staff and they had a shepherd nomadic thing about their culture. They were constantly moving forward. There was a momentum about them. They were pilgrims with a promise. And pilgrimage means going to the place of their calling going to the place of their spiritual awakening. 
going to the place where they were connecting with the divine calling. And so a staff meant that they weren't called to stop where they are, but they were called to keep going. They weren't called to stay in the desert, but they were called to go into the promises. You know, it's similar to a message we shared last year. We spent a good couple of teaching moments on it. I think about four Sundays. It was called Bridging the Gap. And I feel like there's a, a little bit of a flavor in this last point about this. You think here in Samuel 17, 40, it reads, Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five small smooth stones from the, from the, the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and approached the Philistine. It's talking about young boy David who had already killed the bear. Come on, he'd already killed the lion, and it was taking on Goliath. And part of his journey towards taking on something and moving forward and destroying the power of the enemy is he took a staff in his hand. It was about, I'm going to take land. I'm going to take territory. I am someone who is a nomadic shepherd, who's at about advancing. And there may be a wall in front of me. There may be a disappointment. There may be an intimidating giant called Goliath that's trying to shut us down. But I'm going to grab a hold of my staff because I'm carrying a promise. And it's a promise of God that he is with me. And if he's with me, no one can be against me. And therefore, I'm going to use the power of God. And I'm going to use the word of God. And I'm going to use the promise of God to take down this giant, to take down this disappointment to take down this wall, to take down this restriction. And I'm going to take it on. I'm going to throw this slingshot. I'm going to take down its head and I'm going to cut off its head because I am called to be a person of victory. I am moving forward, said David. And God says to you this morning, you are someone who is moving forward. You are called to have a staff in your hand, in the attitude of your spirit in this season, says God. Attitude. Everyone say attitude. Be focused with the word of truth to tighten things up. Be determined to finish your race to reach your peak. And three, be a promise carrier. Let's stand here this morning as we've come to a close. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this atmosphere. We thank you, Lord, that today... You're pouring out a spirit of encouragement. And I thank you, Lord, that you're wanting to illuminate in our heart today, Lord, a sense of focus, a sense of determination, a sense of promise, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that this season you are so wanting us to reach our peak, to reach our potential, to mine everything out of this time. And so we declare this morning by faith that you're here in our midst. And because you're here, God, you're anointing, you're enabling power of God to get things done, to equip us and enable us is here. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for an anointing right now to be released in this place to activate potential. Father, I thank you, Lord, for potential to be activated. Lord, for for dreams and visions to be activated in this place. I thank you, Father, that walls of disappointment, walls of doubt are coming down. And, Father, Lord, you're releasing a new sound of freedom in the minds and hearts of people. Lord, that we are called to reach our peak. We are called to reach our potential. And with God, nothing is impossible. Thank you, Lord.
as we come to a close and as you're standing, I'm just going to get you to close your eyes. I want to encourage people, some people here this morning to respond as we come to a close. If you're here for the first time, or maybe you're here for the second time, or the third time, many times, but if you're here and you know you haven't personally invited Jesus into your heart before, you've never said, you know what, Jesus, I want you to be my God. I want to know you then this first opportunity is, is for you. Because there is no greater or more powerful decision that you can make than the one to invite Jesus Christ into your life and to declare Him as your Lord and Savior. Can I tell you that the Bible says that when you recognize and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that He is God, you will be saved. Meaning what? You will be saved from the limitations of sin and death. And you'll be set into the power of eternity, that you will have eternal life. I mean, how amazing is that? That by faith you just declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, you confess with your mouth, and then you receive salvation. So maybe that's you today. And I want to encourage you in a moment, if that is you, I'm going to ask you to come to the front and I want to pray with you. I'm going to pray the same prayer that I prayed almost 20 years ago when I made the decision and I've never looked back. Such a powerful thing that you can do in a moment like this to recognize the reality of God. The second thing is maybe you're here today and the second kind of response I want to encourage people to make is maybe you're here today and you once gave your heart to God and you started your journey out with God, but you had a bit of a trip up. You had some setbacks and you've You've walked away from God or your relationship with God. You know it's not where it needs to be. Well, I'm going to encourage you to respond today and to reconnect and rededicate your life to God. Can I tell you that decision? Let this moment right here not be a mundane moment. Let it not pass you by. If you know you're in that place in your life, I want to encourage you to make that decision today. Get right with God again so that you can reach your peak. And the third thing is maybe you're here and your heart's right with God, but you know there's a prompting in your heart to get connected into a local church, to get connected into a community of people. And you want to get more connected and you want prayer for that. You know that you need to get people around you to support you and encourage you in your walk with God. If that's you, I want you to respond as well. So the first response, if, if you want to give your heart to the Lord for the first time, I'm going to get you to come to my left, your right. If you're here today and you want to reconnect with Jesus and rededicate your life, I'm going to get you to come to my right, your left. And if you know today you want to have prayer to get connected into a a local church, then I'm going to get you to come to the center here. So everyone just close your eyes. Father, I pray that as we encourage people to come forward, Lord, that you would speak into their heart and you would encourage them to come and receive prayer this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. So I'm going to ask those people to come. Come out of your seats if that's you, if you want to respond. I can't wait to pray for you. Awesome. Awesome. Good on you. So you're over here. Awesome. Good on you. So we've got one person, Hayden. We've got some more people here. Hey, guys, how are you? Good. So we dedicated for the first time. 
Okay, so we're connecting the church. You guys want to connect to the church? Okay. Okay, guys, I'll get you to stand in the center. Let's encourage these guys. These guys feel like they need prayer to really connect into a local church. That's amazing. Anyone else want to respond to this altar call this morning? Hello? Okay, awesome. We can stand there. That's cool. So another rededication. Anyone else? Don't want to rush this moment. Just want to give anyone else an opportunity. Usually if you know that you need to come out, there's a little bit of a fast beat to your heart. And you kind of tell yourself, oh, yeah, nah, 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 I won't worry about it. That happened to me 20 years ago. And then I thought this, well, what have I got to lose? Might as well. And I can't imagine if I'd let that moment pass me by. So is there anyone else? Just as I give a look around, anyone else? Awesome. Well, who's had a great morning with the Word of God this morning? Let's give him some praise. Great. So we're going to pray for Mercedes. We're going to pray for Hayden. What's your name? Sorry. Excuse me? Sorry. Kai. Can you give him a God call? Kai. Like apple pie. Oh, I love that name. Can you give him a God call? Okay. That looks like a rededication. Cool. All right. So we've got three people rededicating their heart this morning. We've got Mercedes, Hayden, and my new friend, Pi. Yeah? Let's, let's give Pi some encouragement. What a great name. So let's put our hands towards these guys, and we're going to pray for this other group in a moment. Father, we thank you, Lord, for Pi and for Hayden and for Mercedes. I, got, I want you guys just to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, today, in a new way and a fresh way, I declare that you are my Lord and Savior. I declare that you're in my heart, that you're in my spirit, and today I want to give you free and complete access to my whole life. Have your way in my life. Reactivate your power, Holy Spirit, in my life. In Jesus' name. Okay, now I'm just going to get you put your hand on your, your heart or your, your spirit area here. And let's just pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for an activation of the power of the Holy Spirit to rejuvenate and to refresh and refuel your power, illuminate your, your word in them. Father, I thank you, Lord, for a freshness of the revelation that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. Father, I thank you, Lord, where they've lost a sense of uh, faith about that. Uh, Father, where it's become a little bit murky or confusing. Father, I pray, Lord, right now that the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the one true God, that He is the way, the truth, in life. Lord, let that revelation become cemented. Let that revelation become solidified. Let that revelation become an anchor to the heart. Lord, let it be like that belt of truth to wrap around their mind right now. Father, to cast out any fear, to cast out any doubt, to cast out any sense of failure, any sense of, of, uh, of, of kind of being held back by the past in Jesus' mighty name. I'm going to ask, because Chris Mercer's is way our new people's leader, I might ask uh, Chloe and Josh, if you guys can just take those three guys out and just connect with them if that's cool and just get some details from them so let's give these guys a round of applause nice to meet you pie what's your name 
VO. I love that. It sounds like a car. Not like a V8, like a VO. Awesome. Hello. Sia. Tia. Beautiful. Nachos. Like nachos. Oh, I love it. It's like you guys are just full of flavor. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, just as, as I was praying for the other guys, I just saw for the three of you that God wanted to uh, let you know that there's been some... There's been some situations in the past where you've doubted your potential because of decisions that you've made. And it's like you feel like you've, you, you're now you're, you're going to lose out on something. And I hear God saying that today he wants you to know that because you want to kind of get connected to a local church, he wants you to know that even there was a message last Sunday that was preached that was saying that sometimes when people have a situation where they get stuck, what's important is that God gets people around them that have been in similar situations, but now they're unstuck. And so I hear God saying that as you've kind of responded to this sense of getting connected, that God wants you to know there's going to be people that come around about you that know exactly the situations that you've faced, where you felt like no one gets me, no one understands what I've gone through. There's going to be some people who have been stuck in similar situations, and now they're unstuck because they've applied a word of God or they've applied principles of God. And they're going to partner with you. They're going to get around you and encourage you. So I hear God say this, who you hang around is who you become. So not only do you have to hang around Jesus, which means you become Christ-like, but you have to hang around other Christ-like people to become more Christ-like. And I hear God say that there's a power of God on all three of you to give you the ability to walk out this thing. I hear God say also this, some of you are thinking, but I'm, I'm just not good enough. I just can't do this. God says this, you come as you are and let my love and grace pour over you and allow your imperfection, your weakness to be given to him and then he will translate that and he will give you his strength. So you can lay down your imperfection here before God and he will give you his perfection. God is faithful. Where other people have let you down, where other people may have betrayed you, where they may have lied to you, God says that his character is faithful and you can trust him. You can't necessarily trust some people, but you can trust God. So I'm just going to get you guys to put your hand on your heart here. Let's just put our hands towards these guys. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this three amazing young people, Lord. And as they've come and responded to your word, and they feel to get connected in to your local church, to your community of believers, I thank you, Father, Lord, that you would plant them in. And I thank you, Father, that you would connect them in. And Lord, that they would be discipled, they would be encouraged, they be prayed for. And I thank you, Lord, that also that you're going to release vision. You're going to release destiny. You're going to release insight. Father, activate their giftings. Activate their callings. Activate their anointings. Activate their identity. I hear you, brother. God's saying to you, you've got success in your life. And God says there's a gift in your life. And God's going to, once he does a more of a work in your character and how you walk, God's going to uh, elevate you to be able to position this gift and it's going to provide provision for you and your family for the future. So God says, get ready. I've got so many things in store of you. I hear, daughter, that God's got a prophetic gifting upon your life. And there's been things that you've sensed and you've discerned. There's been times in the past where there's been darkness around you. And it's, it's, it's sometimes it's kind of created a shatteredness or a brokenness on the inside of you. But I hear God saying that he's going to clean all of that up. Even right now, I hear that he's just setting you free of some of those things that have come in in the past. 
and I'm hearing God saying that he's making you whole. And I hear God say that you're a daughter of my light, says God, and you're going to reflect my light to this world. And you're a prophetic woman. You're a woman who's going to have insight into what I want to do and what I want to say to people. And God says, I'm activating right now the prophetic gifting on your life. And God says, as you get into my word and you discern my word and you discern that my voice is the voice, God says, you're going to know when I'm speaking to you and you're going to share words of encouragement to others. And I hear God say that that gift is going to bring a breakthrough to your family. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this man. I hear God say that you're a man with strong arms and strong hands. And you're a man of trade and tools. And God says that I'm going to start to, uh, I'm going to start to change the way that you think about yourself. That you've been felt like you've, you've kind of made too many, many mistakes to kind of get further momentum. But I hear God saying this, that this is a brand new day and it's a clean slate for you. And I hear God say that as you continue to press into me, that God's going to anoint your hands for work. He's going to anoint your hands for trade. He's going to anoint your hands for business. And God says that he's going to bring provision for you and your family through those anointed hands. Father, I thank you, Lord, Lord, that you're releasing vision. God says it's a brand new day for you three. Get connected, get plugged in. God says, uh, don't care what people think of you. Only care what God thinks of you. And God says, uh, get around people who will encourage you. God says you're made to be unique. You don't have to be a cooker-cutter Christian. You're unique. You're your own person. And God says you have your uniqueness, and he's going to bring that out. But God says he's also going to uh, mentor you. There's some things where he's going to glean, and he's going to, to kind of cut some things off that have been holding you, you back. But God says all of that is going to be through my love because I want you to run this race and reach your peak, says God. Father, we activate, Lord, this response to be connected in your local church, and we thank you, Lord, for the fruitfulness of their life as they walk out this this decision in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Again, let's give God some praise. Awesome. Good on you. Well, I'm going to ask you three, if you can connect with uh, Dan, I'll get Dan and Cassie, if you guys, because Chris is away, to connect with these three, and uh, we can give you some information, that'd be great. Awesome. Well, let's just finish with some prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord. Uh, for the fish and chips that are about to be received. We thank you, Lord, for that food. It will bless our bodies. But we thank you, Father, for this message. And we declare this season upon your people, we're going to reach our peak in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.